Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. It is so great to be here today. I'm Anna, like my dad said. Normally I'm back there with your kids and you don't see my face, but today here I am partly because there's no kids church happening, which I'm a little sad about. But kids, if you're watching, hi, I miss you, I love you, I'll see you next week. Wear your costumes, it's gonna be awesome. Um, But parents, it's great to talk to you. It's really special, actually, this church is empty. But uh, in the audience right now, I have my dad, I have my husband, Joe, and I have my bonus daughter, sister, friend, Danae, all the way from California visiting me. And these people are my biggest fans. So I'm really glad to have them in the audience. And, uh, oh, and Livy, I forgot. I have Livy. She's operating the camera. I can't see her face, but she's here supporting me. And I'm so grateful because even at the end of this, if my sermon stinks, they're going to love me and they're going to tell me it was awesome. So thank you guys for being here. <laughs> and I just, um, I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful. I'm truly grateful grateful to be here today. It's been a weird week. It's been a weird month. It's been a weird year. And on Wednesday morning, I woke up and, you know, like the sun was still shining and there was clouds and people were driving on the roads and I went and picked up lunch and they were nice to me. And I was like, oh, the world didn't end after the elections. Like, it's still here and we're still okay. Everyone's okay, you know? And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be here. Um, And I love that I get to actually preach a sermon on this series called Grateful. What a special series to get to be a part of. It's not like a series on revelations or anything like that. That would just be a bummer. But I get to speak about gratitude. (laughs) So so I just want to start with just uh, all agreeing. 2020 has been a wild year. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? (laughs) It has been so crazy in so many ways, so hard, just difficult, just interesting. And um, I don't think any of us in our right minds would have thought 2020 would go like this. And in fact, every year, Joe and I, we ask the Lord for a word. What is your word for our year? What are you speaking? And every year, Joe gets a good word. And by the end of the year, we're like, wow, that's exactly what God was saying, you know? And usually I just piggyback on his word because it's always so good. Um, And so 2020, sure enough, he got a great word. And even now, looking back at the year, um, now that we're in November, I'm like, yeah, that was a good word. That's exactly what God was doing in our year this year. Um, but this year I got a word too, and I kind of thought my word was a dud. Truly, it was not spiritual. It was kind of boring. Um, I'm like, all right, God, whatever. So my word for 2020 was posture, posture. And I'm like, well, what a dud word. That's not even spiritual. What are you saying, God? But through the year 2019, Joe's been kind of nudging me, hey, Anna, you got to work on your posture a little. you got to work on it. And so then 2020 comes, and I feel like the Lord says, it's the year for your posture. And, um, you know, so then I started thinking back on my life. And it's true. Historically, posture has not been my, my strong suit. In fact, I have this really clear memory of being, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 in my living room. And my mom and Heidi come kind of attack me in the living room. And my mom holds me back. And Heidi has a broom in her hand. And she's putting the broomstick up the back of my shirt, bounds it onto me. And they say, okay, Anna, now walk. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're going to teach you how to walk as straight as a broom. 
And I did not want to do it. And they said, if you don't do it, we're going to take you to Walmart with this broomstick in your back. And I think I was really traumatized, even though maybe it's funny now. I was totally traumatized by this. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And shortly after, my parents um, put us in this class called Pretty as a Picture. And it was an etiquette class. And we had a whole day dedicated to posture. Great, I'm so excited about that. And we practiced and we learned, and fast forward a couple weeks, we do this fashion show. And I'm gonna show you guys a picture of me um, in my model debut. It was my first and last time ever modeling for anything. Um, but you can tell from this picture that posture just never really clicked for me. Um, <laughs> Yes, no, not a supermodel. Um, so anyways, just, it was a struggle. So fast forward like 15 years, I just have my first baby, and I messed up. Now, I don't know if you girls agree, but babies can really mess you up. So I go to this therapist, and my body is all messed up, and I'm like, please, can you help me? And so I sit through my first class, and guess what we're learning about? Posture. It's exactly what we learned about. And the whole entire class was on how important posture is for your whole entire body. And this lady, her name is Christine, I'll never forget her, and she starts just describing what posture does to your whole body, how it affects your digestive system, your circulatory system, respiratory system. It's your pelvic floor, it's your muscles, your joints, your mood, your energy, your sleep. Your posture literally affects every area of your body. And so here, I thought that I was going to go get some therapy to fix my broken body. And she's like, let me teach you how to stand. And I'm like, well, I'm 25. I know how to stand. I was 27. Anyways, so we start going through the posture, the correct posture. So she says, okay, Anna, first I want you to imagine standing up really straight. What does that look like? Okay, now I want you to think of yourself as a puppet on a string. And there's the, the puppeteer, he's holding the string right above the crown of your head, and he's lifting up your head. I want you to just lift up your head right now. And so I feel my back straighten up. And she says, okay, the next thing I want you to do is open your chest and relax your shoulders. And op once I open my chest, relax my shoulders, just take a big, deep breath. If you're watching at home, I want you to do this. You're going to feel your body actually change. And the last thing she said to do is focus on that curve in your back. So many people, they want to tighten their abs and look really strong. But she said, focus on really curving your back like a C. You want your tailbone coming out. And as you curve your back, then you're in the right posture. And the last thing you do is you begin to walk. And then she says, oh, Anna, you look so regal. And I'm like, great, I'm there. I, I am there. <laughs> So, because I was desperate, I started really focusing on my posture in that moment, and, um, and it got better, and sure enough, my body got better, and sure enough, I had a lot more babies after that, and I knew what to do. So, that really all worked out really good, um, posture, but, you know, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, there's a posture that we have inside of us. It's called our spirit posture, our soul posture. And I, I would argue that this is more important than the posture in your own body. That the way you posture your heart, the way you posture your spirit before the Lord affects you from the inside out even more than the way you posture your body. And, um, and so today I wanna talk to you about having a posture of gratitude. And you know, I was reading in Psychology Today 
they have an article called Seven Scientifically Proven, not just proven, but scientifically proven benefits of gratitude. And they say, I'm going to read you the seven so you can know what Psychology Today says. It says, gratitude gives you better relationships, better physical health, better psychological health, more empathy and less aggression, better sleep, better self-esteem, and a greater mental fortitude. And I'm going to say I need some of all of that, right? I'm, I'm guessing you do too. And you know, psychology today is awesome. It's scientifically proven, but we could have found that if we just read the word of God. You know, Proverbs 17, 22, I'm reading from the Passion here. It says, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. And I, I would just add a grateful, a joyful, cheerful, grateful heart brings healing and health to your body and your soul. Now, normally you don't add to the Bible, but I have never seen a joyful, cheerful person that is not overflowing with gratitude, right? And so we're going to learn today just how to have that joyful, cheerful, grateful heart that's going to change our, us from the inside out, you know, as I was preparing the sermon, I was like, God, what else can I even say about gratitude? We all know how to say thank you and be grateful. And my dad preached this message last week that was like home run, out of the park, so good. Is there anything else? And I felt the Lord say, Anna, you know, you know how to stand up straight, right? You know how to have good posture? And I was like, well, yeah. And he said, but you need constant reminding, don't you? And I'm like, oh, you're right. After all this time, 10 years after, or 11, I guess my baby's 11, 11 years after I learned how to really posture myself, the Lord was speaking again, it's time to fix your posture. So what I did, because I wanted an easy fix, is I got on Amazon and I bought this thing. This is called a posture corrector. And you actually can put it on like a backpack and it immediately pulls your shoulders back, strains up your back, and you wear it. And I'm like, done. I'm going to be done with my posture correcting in the month of January. But I didn't wear it um, like I should. And so still to this day, I'm like, oh, your posture, your posture, your posture. And, you know, Ann Voskamp, she's a queen of gratitude. She says this, gratefulness isn't hard. It's forgetting to be grateful that makes life hard. It's forgetting to be grateful. And I want to say good posture isn't hard, but forgetting to have good posture, it makes life hard. As you go down the road and things start aching and hurting and being really difficult, you're like, wow, it wasn't actually hard to stand up straight, but I am sure suffering the consequences of not posturing myself correctly. So I'm going to say good posture isn't difficult, but slouching is just so darn easy. And we're going to talk about not slouching today. So many of us, we slouch in our spirits. We slouch towards negativity. We slouch towards doubt, hopelessness, despair. And as you slouch towards those things, you begin to, to close your heart. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about 2020, there's a lot of postures that have been so easy to assume these days. It's been hard. It's been sad. It's been confusing. And, um, and it's easy to take on some, some postures. Now, it's easier for me to recognize bad posture in other people and not so much in myself. So you can look at others if this helps you. But I'm going to see if you recognize some of the postures that I've been recognizing through 2020. Um, see if you recognize them in, your, in other people and maybe yourself, if you, if you so choose. Okay, so one of them, I have um, the posture of disappointment. 
I am so disappointed. Everything that I planned for the year, everything I hoped for the year, it didn't happen. It's been a bummer year. And that posture just slouches your shoulders, right? What about depleted? I have nothing left. I am so tired. God, will you just fast forward to New Year's? I'm so done. I have no more energy. Or what about this one? I've seen a lot of this, the defensive posture. The one that it's like, don't you dare talk to me about my mask. Don't talk to me about those dumb lines in Walmart telling me where to go. That is so foolish. You know, this one, I'm ready to fight. Like, you come up to someone with a defensive posture and they are ready to fight you. I've seen that one a lot this year. What about the, the posture of disconnection? The one that it's like, I see who my true friends are. You didn't reach out to me during this whole quarantine and I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. I'm gonna disconnect from my church. I'm gonna disconnect from my family. Maybe I'm disconnecting over politics or who knows what I'm disconnecting over. Maybe I'm disconnected from the Lord because he really let me down in 2020 and you have this posture of disconnect or, or the posture of defeat. I, maybe you have fought so hard for your sobriety or for peace in your home or for your marriage and 2020 comes in like a wrecking ball and you've been so defeated and you lost your sobriety or your marriage is on the brink or everything you worked for, your business that you put 20 years into is now taken away in this COVID crisis and you have the posture of just utter defeat. If I could lay down on the floor and demonstrate Defeat, I would, but that's not a good idea, so I'm not going to do that today. Um, <laughs> there's also the posture of despair. I have seen so much hopelessness, just the, the giving up. I'm so done. There is no hope, and I'm giving up. That's the posture of despair. But God says there's another posture, and it's possible for you today, and that's the posture of gratitude. It's the posture that you just say, God, this has been so hard, but I see your fingerprints all over the place. I see how you've been working and moving on my behalf. I see that you never forsook me. You did not leave me. God, I trust you to come through for me like you've always come through. And that's the posture that we take of gratitude, right? So I'm going to go back to what I learned from this Christine lady and how she teaches us to posture our bodies. But today I want us to posture our spirits in this way. So number one, she says, you got to think about your posture. Imagine it. So I want us to think about our posture, do an inventory of our heart. And then number two, we're going to lift up our heads. And I'm calling this lifting up your head in worship. Lift up your head to the King of Kings. Worship him. He's worthy. Number three, we're going to open up our hearts. We're going to open up our hearts to believe again, to trust again. Even in the middle of disappointment and of loss and of lack, we're going to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to just dive in and trust that you're still good and you still got this. We're going to open our hearts. And then the last thing we're going to do is we're going to focus our back. We're going to focus on that back. I call this looking back and remembering so we can move forward in breakthrough. And then the last thing we're going to do is we're going to move. We're going to practice it. We're going to see how God changes us through these posture, these posture correct, corrections. Um, so we're going to just focus. And I want you, as I'm preaching the sermon, I want you to just imagine the sermon like a posture corrector. Like you're just putting it on and you're just remembering. You're just refocusing on what the Lord is saying to you. 
So, um, so number one, it is time to think about your posture. We got to think about it. We got to recognize it. Maybe you have an awesome husband who's going to remind you that your posture is looking bad these days. Um, but if you don't, think about it yourself. How is my posture? You know, Psalm, in the Psalms, um, Psalm 139.23, it says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is an invitation for the Lord to search you. Tell me, God, have I been slouching? Have I been leaning towards just the grumbling or complaining? What is the, the fruit coming out of my life? You know, it's so good. So many of us make a prayer list, and we write down, or we have kind of our list of all the things we're asking God for. We journal it, and I got to tell you, God loves that. He loves when his kids ask him for things. It delights him. But I'm wondering how many of us also have a thankful list. You know, the verse of Philippians 4, 6, it says, in prayer and petition with Thanksgiving. I think prayer is a two-sided coin, right? You ask, the petition is so important and precious to God, and the gratitude. It's like the double-sided coin. And I would say we're not done praying until we turn our petitions into gratitude. And maybe it's not for, it's not because we've seen the answer, we've seen the solution, but it's because we know who God is and we can declare his promises. And when we ask and we think, we see him come, and, um, and we posture our heart in that way, right? That's how you finish the prayer. I love what my dad said last week. He said, are you a taker or a thinker? And I'm like, that's clever. I'm going to use that again. But are you just always in it for what God can give you? Or is your posture one that says, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I have more than I could ever deserve. I'm so grateful. Um, and so as we're doing an inventory, you can kind of look at it as what's coming out of my life. And this week, I've been like intentional about gratitude, marinating in the word, like just really intentional because I knew I was going to preach and I'm working on a sermon. And so I woke up Sunday morning, blessed time change morning. I love you, time change. That's a lie. Um, I wake up 4.45 in the morning. I walk out of my room, I look to my right, Joe's sitting in the living room, reading his Bible, go to the kitchen, pour my coffee, come and kiss Joe in that order because priorities. Um, and, and the first words that come out of my mouth are, I hate time change. And then I walk into my closet and start my devotions. And not good morning, hi love, how are you? Nothing, just I hate time change. So I do my devotions. Um, go on with my day, and then uh, Monday comes around. I wake up at 4.45 again, bless the Lord, and this time I walk out of my room, I look into the living room where Joe is supposed to be, and he's not there, it's dark. And I go in the kitchen and there's no coffee, and God forbid my husband is still asleep at 4.45 in the morning, and so I make my coffee, and I sit on the couch, and the first words out of my mouth, I said this out loud, this is so unfair. And, and I, I was sitting there just pondering, it's not right. I'm pregnant. It's 4.45 in the morning. There's no coffee. And I'm so mad right now. And um, I feel like the Lord is like, hey, Anna, I need you to check yourself here. Two days in a row, the first words out of your mouth are ones of hate and jealousy and grumbling 
and here you are preparing a sermon. Now, this is not God's voice making me feel guilty, but I'm feeling this like I'm preparing a sermon about gratitude and I am grumbling about my 4.45 wake-up times. And in that moment, I just felt the check. It's time to posture your heart different, Anna. It's time to correct it. And um, so I followed these steps that I'm about to teach you. I, I, fall, I started to worship. That was my first thing. I started to trust again. Hey, God, you're really good at 4.45 in the morning. I have like three whole hours before my kids even wake up. This is going to be a great day. And when I started to posture my heart, then I saw just the shift, you know? And so the first thing we have to do is just take an inventory. What is, my, what is the fruit coming out of my life? Is it good fruit? If not, I got to do a little posture correcting, right? Okay, so we're going to move on to point number one. We're going to lift our heads. So everyone, just pretend like you have a string on the back of your head and lift it up. Straighten that back up. Man, it's actually uh, kind of uncomfortable for me at this moment, so I can tell I haven't been practicing my posture well, but I'm lifting up my head. Now, early this year, we, uh, not we, really, I sat and watched Joe create a really lovely porch um, in front of my house, and it's so beautiful, and I love it. And before he put the top flagstone on the porch, we had these bricks kind of lining under it. And Joe said, let's put this verse on our flagstone, or on our, our bricks under the flagstone as a reminder. And it's Psalm 24, 7 and 8. And it says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? You guys know it. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Guys, we're the temple. When we lift up our heads to see the king, when we open our hearts, he comes in. The Lord strong and mighty comes in, in the middle of that place, right? So as we worship, we're opening the doors of our heart to him. And once he's there, he can do anything. He can do anything. So we're gonna lift our heads in worship. Now, I wanna tell you, Sometimes worship is hard. Sometimes it's hard because maybe you don't have the best voice like me. Sometimes it's hard because you don't know what songs to listen to. Sometimes you don't feel like worshiping. And I will just tell you, it's as easy as pushing a button on your phone. Find some worship and start playing. It's so easy, especially this year, it's been so easy to worry and to let anxiety overtake us, right? But Philippians 4 says this, don't worry about anything. And then, like I said earlier, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Sometimes we don't know how to be thankful, but we know how to sing the songs that we sing at church, that we hear on YouTube. These songs, they, be, they begin to be words on our lips, things that we speak over and over and over. I love in worship songs how people will, um, how people, I mean the worship leaders, they'll just repeat the, the chorus over and over. And it's not just to be catchy, but it's because it's giving us words on our lips to start magnifying God. And when we magnify God, when we make him bigger, then our problems become so much smaller, right? This is called worshiping over worrying. It's always better to worship before you worry. And you're gonna find if you worship first, worry's not gonna come because God becomes so big. I'm gonna read a quote from Bill Johnson. He says, complaining only happens when we are more mindful of a problem than we are of God. 
When your problem starts to become the thing that you meditate on, then that thing becomes so huge in your life and God is so far away. But when you worship God, automatically God comes into focus and he becomes so big and your problem becomes so small. So one thing that I value so much about worship, probably um, this year more than ever, is just the words that I have meditated on through worship music. I remember this moment so clearly, um, and I'll tell you my story in a few minutes, but we were in a really desperate kind of situation, and Joe had been working on this prayer house chapel at our home. It's a shed. But um, he brought the whole family in there, and he said, we're gonna, we're gonna sing this song together. And the song is called The Story I'll Tell. Whoa, I didn't mean to get <laughs> emotional, but... But it's just a story proclaiming and declaring the promise of God and the story that I'm going to tell at the end of this. And the story that I could have told in that season was not a good story, but it was the, the prophetic story that, that we could tell how God's been faithful, how he walked through the waters with us, how he parted the sea. And that song just began to be on my lips And I just began to say, God, this is my story. This is the one I'm going to tell the world. I'm not going to be telling the story of how it seemed like we weren't going to be okay. I'm going to be telling the story of your faithfulness and how you came through and the miracles. And when I started singing that story, my words shifted and my spirit shifted because I was just praising the Lord. In that song, it says, all that's left is highest praises. And um, I just got to this place where I was like, that's all that's left. That's all that's left in this story is to praise God, to worship, to look up. You know, there's a story in Acts that we love to tell our kids in kids' church. And Miss Carol even told it last week on our kids' Facebook page, if you want to listen. But it's the story of Paul and Silas. And um, Paul and Silas were just preaching the gospel in a town and um, super annoyed by this tormenting demonic uh, girl or demon in a girl, and finally they cast this demon out. And, um, and so there's like this whole fuss in town, and Paul and Silas get in trouble, and they get arrested totally unfairly. They're in Rome. They're Roman citizens. They don't get a trial. They get beaten, flogged, chained, and taken into prison. And when they're in prison, um, what are they doing? They're praying, and they're worshiping. And I don't think it's because they're super Christians. A lot of times I read about Paul, and I'm like, he's a super Christian. What do you want from me, God? But I, I remembered something Paul said about himself. In, in 1 Timothy, he said, he talks about how he was the worst, the worst of the worst of the worst. He killed, he persecuted, he destroyed lives and families and home, homes. And he realized, I was the worst of sinners, and yet I'm in this place I have nothing left to give but highest praises. And when he and Silas prayed and worshiped, something happened at midnight. There was an earthquake. There was a shift. This huge shift began to happen. And it was such a strong shift that the, whole, the prison walls broke and the chains broke off of their hands and their feet. This shift happened. The guards, of course, were awakened. This was the most terrifying moment. But it was out of this worship that the shift happens. And I just want to tell you guys that if you need a shift in your life, it's always going to be worship that precedes the shift that you're looking for in your life. I heard a story by a lady named Leslie Crandall, and she was talking about her 
kid who is, uh, really struggles in math, and she's had all the tutors, and she's had all the things, and math has just been her struggle, and so she's sitting there homeschooling because God bless all the moms, um, homeschooling her daughter, and she's like, God, we need help, and God gave her this idea. She said, Les- he said, Leslie, turn on the worship, and the second she turned on the worship, her daughter began to focus, and what normally took her two hours every day to get through her math lessons, she accomplished in 30 minutes with full clarity as she listened to worship music, and I just want to tell you, you don't know, but just playing worship music is so powerful for the shift that you need in your life. So I'm putting in your notes, in your sermon outline, a actual list of, of songs that have brought such a shift in my season, and I want you to, to make a list of songs that have brought a shift in your season, and um, we should share it with each other. I love people who are just posting songs on Facebook every day. This is the greatest thing we can do. We don't have words sometimes, but there's words that we can just claim and proclaim. And so when we worship, we lift our head. We magnify the Lord, right? Okay, so the next thing, once we've got that place in our heart of worship, God is bigger, then we begin to open our heart. And I think this is probably the hardest um, of all the posture corrections for me. And actually, this posture corrector, that's all it does. It doesn't lift my head or curve my back. It just opens my heart. Um, And this one is hard for me. It's probably hard for all humans. But I call it this one, opening your heart to trust again. Opening your heart to believe in God and who he says he is. Even in the middle of disappointment, even in the middle of loss, trial, storms, God says, open your heart to believe again. You know, I was, um, I call this gritty gratitude because it takes a lot of grit when you are in the depths, in the dark, to get to a place where you can open your heart to God. And I was reading the book of Habakkuk um, the other night at two in the morning, not even four, Um, but (laughs) Habakkuk's only three chapters, you should read it. It's actually brought me a lot of encouragement during this political season that we're in. Um, But I'm reading Habakkuk, and what's happening in that book is he's, Habakkuk, he's a prophet. He lives in um, Israel, in the south part. And Babylon has overtaken um, Israel, and it's really horrible, the thing that the Babylonians are doing. And the leaders of Israel are just letting them. They're corrupt, and they're letting the Babylonians just take over, and the land is just desolate, and they have lost everything. And Habakkuk is looking around, and he writes this book of lament. And I love this book because... It's a conversation between Habakkuk and God. It's like, here Habakkuk speaks, and then the Lord speaks, and then Habakkuk speaks, and then the Lord speaks, and God says, this is how I want your, my, me and you to be. I want you to talk, and I'm going to respond, and you talk, and I'm going to respond. It's a conversation between us. And so Habakkuk is like, what's happening, God? And God assures him, I'm coming. Write this down. I'm coming. It's going to happen. It might feel like it's taking a long time, but I'm coming. And so Habakkuk 3.17, he closes the book, and he says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice. I will be joyful in the Lord my Savior. That word yet, Habakkuk is looking around, and I don't know if you can put yourself in that verse, 
Though there is no money in the bank account and there is not enough food in my fridge and though I don't have patience to homeschool my kids and though my life is falling apart, yet I will praise the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. How does he do that? How does he do that? And one thing I, I like to believe is that Habakkuk never found his joy in the olives or the grapes or the figs or the cows or the sheep. That is not where his joy was found. His, found, his joy was always found in the Lord. And no matter what, the Lord was not going to let him down. And so Habakkuk could come to the end of the desolation and say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my Savior. You know, David in Psalm 27, he says, um, he says this, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have despaired, but I didn't despair. Why did I not despair? Because I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I want you right now, as you're opening your heart, you can say this, God, I would have despaired, or I did despair, but... I believe I'm going to see your goodness in the land of the living. You know, Graham Cook, he's, uh, he's a mentor to me. He is uh, just so powerful in helping you shift your mindset. But he has this to say. He says, attached, he calls this one of the spiritual laws of a life with Jesus. And he says, every problem you face in life has a promise attached to it. Because God doesn't give us problems, but God gives us promises. And every promise we have is attached to a provision. Because God's not gonna make a promise if he doesn't make a way to fulfill it. And so Graham Cook says, when you have a problem, you should celebrate and rejoice because your problem means that God has a promise for you. And that promise is coming with an upgrade, with a provision from the Holy Spirit. And... Um, so I wanted to share a little bit about our 2020 because our 2020 was bathed with problems. I don't know if you could say that about yourself, but um, we faced a lot of problems. And um, I needed a promise. So I'm going to fast forward even to 2017 just so you get a little backstory. Um, Joe, he's like an independent contractor, and in 2017, he had no work. And um, it was basically the whole year of 2017 was really hard. And we had, uh, you know, dwindling bank account, increasing debt. It almost became a joke. We would take pictures of our bank statements like, well, how's God going to do this one? <laughs> I remember a day where Joe came home. He's like, well, I talked to the landlord and we have to turn in our keys. And, and um, I wasn't very nice about that. And we didn't turn in our keys because I wasn't very nice about that. But, um, but there was just a ton of loss. Uh, we were just broke, and it was a super hard season. And God came through for us in the year 2017 in a way that if I had time to tell you, it would blow your mind. It still blows my mind, the way that the Lord spoke, what he did, and how he did it so precisely because we had a promise in 2017. And um, God took us from this place of lack to abundance and 2018, 2019 was awesome. We had a dream to buy a home, and we knew we got to get out of debt, and we got to do all these things, but we're going to buy a home. So 2019 comes, and we find our dream home, and everything is going good, and we're so excited, and we can't believe that this is our life, 
And the end of September 2019, we move into our home, and we're just, uh, of course, grateful, grateful, grateful. October 2019 comes, and Joe gets word that he's going to lose his job uh, starting January. So at this moment, I'm like... I got hope. It's only October. We've got till January. It's not going to be the same as last time. God's going to come through, and he's not going to take away what we've been given. It's going to be fine. So 2019 comes. January comes. The job ends, and there's nothing on the horizon. We're like, okay, working out. Like, we have savings. It's going to be fine. God's going to come through. February comes. Nothing on the horizon. March comes. It's getting super scary. Nothing on the horizon. COVID mid-March comes, and even things that could have been leads actually just fell flat after March because COVID, right? You can just say that about everything because COVID. And um, so, so we're in March, and we're like, darn. We are looking forward to April 15th. This is when taxes are due. We know we have a lot of money that we have to pay taxes. We don't have money. We weren't counting on not having income for the, these four months. And um, I'm like, God, I need a promise right now. And because God loves to give us a promise when we're facing a problem, he gave me a promise. And it was this. This promise was from Deuteronomy 28, 11 through 12, the message version. He says this, God will lavish you with good things, children from your womb, offspring from your animals, and crops from your land. God will throw open the doors of his sky vaults and pour rain on your land on schedule. And bless the work you take in your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself will not take out a loan. And when I heard those words, I read those words, it just went deep in my spirit. And I'm like, I know this is a word from God for me. You will lend to many nations, but you will not take out a loan. And I chuckled because we're getting close to April. I'm like, well, we can't pay our taxes without credit. So I don't know how this is all going to work out. Um, but I feel like God said it, and I read it to Joe, and he's like, yep, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray it. We're going to pray into that promise. You're going to lend to nations, but you're not taking out a loan. And we're like, God, I don't know how you did it. But, um, but he's God, and I just smile because probably a week or two after God gave us this promise, the president comes on, and he says, well, because of COVID and the crisis, I'm moving tax day. I'm moving it from April 15th to July 15th. And in that moment, I'm like, God, that was for me? Oh my gosh, you changed tax day just for me so I don't have to take out a loan. I'm so excited about this news. Um, and, you know, at that point, I remembered something Jonathan Helser had said. He says, um, he says, you know, you can find God in anything, or you can miss God in everything. And in that moment, when, I, when, when Donald Trump moved tax day, I'm like, I just found God. I just found God, and I know his promises are true. And somehow he's going to make it so that I don't have to take out a loan. And I'm going to be able to lend to the nations. And so we just moved forward with that promise, and I began to open my heart. God, I believe. I believe that you're going to help us so that we don't have to take out a loan. Well, April comes. There's no job. May comes. There's no job. June comes, there's no job, and it's getting desperate, so desperate. And, um, and I'm like, God, I want to believe what you said, but I'm having a hard time believing. And I was praying one morning for um, this boss, Joe's former boss, and he, um, he lost the job as well. But we thought if this 
boss gets a new job, then Joe will get a new job. And this boss, his position is called a CISO. It's a Chief Information Security Officer. And so I'm praying, God, will you just give him a CISO job? He needs a CISO job. And God said, hey, Anna, guess what? I see you, so I got you. And I'm like, oh, that was clever, Lord. I get it, CISO. I see you. So I got you. And in that moment when I needed a new promise, because I couldn't see how God was going to provide, I was like, hey, it doesn't even matter. He sees me, so he's got me. So fast forward, luckily, tax day extends till, July, till October 15th. On October 14th of this year, we paid our taxes in full. We didn't have to take out a loan. We've been able to give to the nations. God has been so faithful to his promises. He didn't just give us a promise, but he gave us a provision so that his promise would remain true. And I just wanna tell you one more thing. You've gotta know that God's promises are yes, exclamation point, amen, exclamation point. Meaning, when he says it, he's gonna do it. So I did not, think about this at the time, but the beginning of my verse says this, God will lavish you with good things, children from your womb. Now, I wasn't expecting that or thinking that, but if you can't tell, he also kept that promise in addition to all the other promises that he made, and we're having our baby in March, a little boy, and we're so excited about it. Um, and I'm going to just go back to my story, but I just want to tell you my testimony, the story I'll tell is a lot like Paul in Philippians 4, 12, and 13. He says, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance, for I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. I know how to be grateful when I have nothing and when I have a lot, and it doesn't matter because I know my joy is not found in those things anyway. My joy is found in the Lord, and I can open myself up, and I can believe again, and I can trust him again. So I wanna tell you, church, get a promise. God has a promise for you. If you're facing a problem, you ask him, Lord, what's your promise for this problem? And he's gonna give you a promise, and he's gonna give you a provision, and you hang on to that for dear life, even when it doesn't feel like it. He's moving and he's working. And you're going to see the victory. That's one of my songs that I would sing over and over this year. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I don't know how, but I'm going to see it. And I'm here in November and I've seen the victory. So the last thing, I'm sorry I'm talking so long. I hope you guys are like drinking lots of coffee or something. But the last thing, after we've lifted our head and we have opened our heart again to the Lord to believe, to dare to believe that he is who he says he is, we're going to look back. We're going to remember. We're going to look back in order to move forward in miracles and in breakthrough. And this is what my dad talked about last week, was just the power of remembrance, of looking back and knowing what the Lord has done. So um, once we were in, you know, scary territory around June, July, June, really, where it was like, okay, the promise isn't coming, the provision's not coming, I'm about to lose my house, I don't know what to do, God. I found myself in my devotions reading Matthew 16, five through 11, and the story happens right after Jesus feeds the 4,000, so the second time Jesus multiplied the food, he feeds the 4,000, he and his disciples leave, and they're on a boat, and Jesus says something about leaven, and the disciples are like, oh wait, he's talking about bread, 
And they're like, hey, did you bring bread? No, I didn't bring bread. Did you bring bread? No, I didn't bring bread. Oh, my gosh, we don't have bread. We're freaking out. And uh, I just am imagining. That's not like the literal. But I'm imagining how it went. And, and they're like, what? You know, like, where's the bread? And Jesus is like, guys, seriously, I'm like better than a baker. I've already multiplied bread twice. Trust me here. I don't want to talk about the bread. And this is actually what Jesus said, not, not the guys thing. But he says this. Oh, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000, or the 5,000, and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand? I'm not talking about bread. And I felt the Lord say, Anna, don't you remember Don't you remember? I need you to stop and remember because you're panicking right now. Don't you remember what I do? Don't you remember what I did? And I started making a list, a gratitude list of the way that God has provided financially for us in this season, how, uh, and, and in prior seasons, and even prior to 2017, how God has opened doors and made ways and brought money out of literally, who knows where the clouds, but how God has always provided. And I, I made it an extra step to write the plenty too much. Not only that he provided the bread, but that there was 12 baskets left over. And I was just writing, writing, writing all the ways that God provided. And then I heard him say, okay, Now that you got your back straight again, you remembered all the ways that I've provided, I want to talk to you about something that's not your job. And I'm like, oh, well, I want to talk about the job because we really need one, God. And he's like, that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the leaven. And I'm like, okay. Now in the verse, God is talking about, Jesus is talking about the leaven, and he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, the teaching that they're teaching and how it's actually toxic and he doesn't want the disciples to teach what these Pharisees are teaching, it's toxic. So I'm like, okay, well God, what in my life is toxic or poisoning the rest of, of you know, my world? And he said, I wanna talk about your marriage. And I'm like, no, my marriage is fine. It's just that Joe's been home for six months and we just need some separation, you know? Like if he just like went somewhere, then I think we would be fine, but we're just tired of each other. And he's like, no. And he reminded me of a dream I had uh, in January of 2020. And it was a warning dream. He was showing me that there was foxes that were keeping watch of my marriage and they were ready to steal things from us. And when I, when I found myself in that moment, he was showing me the things that I've let these little foxes come in and steal from our marriage and, and that it was just producing strife and chaos in our home. And I was like, wow, is this what you mean, God? And, and so I just talked to Joe and we, um, you know, we both agreed, we need help. We actually really need help. And we went to our life group and we started just asking for prayer and we got into marriage counseling and we just started praying together and I, I look back now and I'm like, wow, do you think 2020 was all about my marriage? It wasn't even about the job or anything else. <laughs> Is this the miracle that God really wanted? And I think, yes. <laughs> I think, yes, the miracle of the job, this is a big miracle, but the marriage of, 
the miracle of my marriage coming back into unity, restoring Joe and I to the place where we can move forward into our purpose and our calling. This is the biggest miracle that God could do for us because he's putting on a, us on a path to go forward together to advance the kingdom in love. And it's for our kids and it's for our community and it's for Kids Church Kids and Heart for the World and Las Cruces. This is what God is doing. And I just learned as I looked back, as I remembered what God has done, he made a miracle for us to go forward in a greater way than I would have imagined. And I think there's so many people here, what's stopping you from moving forward into greater miracles and into greater breakthrough is because as you're looking back, you're, you're looking back at the things that were really painful. You're holding on to the things that were big losses in your life, the things that hurt you, destroyed your family, and uh, my dad had a word. He said, "There's a lot of times, depending on what you're looking back to, what you're looking back to, is what you're bringing forward with you. And when you're looking back and you're remembering the bad and you're holding on to that bad, you're bringing that bad forward with you." But when you look back with gratitude, when you look back to see what God has done, my mom, she says, Anna, we don't live like that. We live mercy to mercy. We look back at mercy and we bring mercy forward with us. And I said, mom, I'm quoting you this week. You're right. <laughs> we live mercy to mercy. When we look back and we see God's mercy, we get to bring it forward with us into the new season. And there has been so much mercy in my marriage. There's been so much forgiveness in my marriage. There's been so much restoration in my marriage because I got to look back and be grateful and bring forward mercy to this next season of my life. So, we've lifted our heads, we've opened our hearts, we've looked back in order so that we could move forward, and now it's time to move. My dad, he says, these last few weeks of 2020 are like a runway. And I was just thinking, a plane, when they're on a runway, they're ready to go, right? When they're on the tarmac, they're idle, but when they're on the runway, they're ready to go. And I believe that if we can posture our hearts in gratitude, God is putting us on the runway. Like, we are so ready to lift off, up, or take off, lift up, I don't know, whatever the word is. We're so ready to go. We're so ready to go. And so just this adjustment that we have in our hearts from a, a discouragement and complaining, when we get this adjustment right, we're gonna be pointing in that right direction, ready to go into 2021, seeing miracles and breakthrough like we've never seen before. And so friends, I wanna tell you, we're gonna take communion in a second, but I wanna read you this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Now, if God commands you to do something, rejoice always. I want to tell you that joy is accessible to you. Joy is within your reach. You can, you can reach out right now and get the joy of the Lord. God would never tell you to rejoice always if it wasn't possible. And I think so many of us, we have just been beaten down and defeated in 2020, and we think joy is not in reach for me. Maybe 2021, we'll try again. But I want to tell you that joy is in reach for you today. And you know how? It's this cross. It's the beautiful cross of Jesus. There is nothing that stirs our heart towards gratitude more than the cross of Jesus. 
Psalm 51, 12 says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, when you just sit and ponder and think about what it means to be saved, what it means that God shed his blood for us, that he broke his body for us so that we can have an eternity with him, so that we can live our lives before him clean and whole and forgiven and set free, the joy starts to be restored inside of all of us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.